Turn with me, please, in the Scripture to the book of Hebrews, the third chapter. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Throughout, uh, oh, probably a good two-thirds of this chapter, he's talking about what happened with the Israelites that he brought, God brought out of uh, Egyptian bondage, and about how that first generation didn't believe him and didn't obey him, and about how that they weren't able to enter in and enjoy all the blessings that he had planned for them. And in verse 18, Hebrews 3.18, he says, And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Keep reading. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You know, a side thought here, uh, no matter what kind of good word that you hear uh, in preaching or teaching or in reading the scripture, or if somebody prophesied something to you that was God and it was good, none of that will benefit you unless you mix faith with it. Did you know that? No matter how good the scripture is, no matter how good the sermon is, If you just hear it and you just let it go in one ear out the other, as we say, and you don't believe it, you don't expect it to come to pass in your life, then for you, it's of no avail. You got to mix faith with what you hear. Amen? So when you're hearing something good and you know it's the Word inside you, you need to be saying, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I'm going to expect that. That's going to happen for me. Amen? Things have to become personally applied. Do you know there are people in Branson and in Harrison and in Springfield and all over this country this morning that believe that God exists, they believe He's real, they even believe that Jesus is real, they even believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and that He's coming back and are not saved. Did you hear me? They believe all that, believe believe the Bible is true. But they're not saved. Why? They've never received Jesus as their Lord and Master. Never submitted to His Lordship and committed their life to Him and trusted in Him for salvation. It's not enough to just believe He's God. He must become my God. Amen? Not enough just to believe He's the provider, the protector. No, He's my protector. He's my provider. He's my director and guide. He's my healer. Everybody said out loud, he's my God, my protector, my provider, my guide, my healer. See, you need to say things like that. Release your faith. In fact, our Christian faith is called the great confession. And that's how we get into this thing and get started is by confessing Jesus as Lord of my life. He's my Lord. Well, that works in all the other areas of receiving, too. You confess him and say, Lord, you are my provider. You take good care of me. Amen. You're my protector. You look out for me. 
need to talk like this. And when you're tempted to fear and doubt, and when you're tempted uh, to believe that you're going under or you're not going to make it in an area, that's the time to open your mouth and say, no, Lord, you've always taken care of me, and you always will. He needs to hear you say it out of your mouth. And you need to say those words in this earth. Spiritual legalities are involved. Though you may not understand them all, it's true. Do it, and you'll see results. Amen. Everybody say it again. He's my God. My My Lord. My My Savior. Savior. Now keep reading. He said, uh, verse 3, Hebrews 4, 3, We which have believed do enter into rest. I want everybody, please, read this out loud with me, that phrase I just read. Let's read it out loud at least three times. Verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Let's say it again two more times. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Once again. For we which have believed do enter into rest rest. Faith is so essential in life. You can't be saved without faith. The scripture says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Every aspect of our life requires faith, but there's a lot of confusion about what faith is. And a lot of what people are calling faith is to them a struggle struggling. Well, we're believing. We're trying to believe. We're we're going to keep on. We're believing. And to them, it is a weary thing. It is a tiring thing. But the scripture says here that we which have believed have entered into what? Rest. Rest. And this is something that has helped me so much in my faith walk over the last number of years, just realizing that if I'm in faith, I'm in rest. Amen. And if I'm not resting, I'm not in faith. Man, this will help you. Day, night, no matter what's going on in your life, we which have believed, what happens to us? When you, when you do get in faith, what happens to you? You, you? You cast your care on the Lord. The heaviness rolls away. You breathe a sigh of relief. (sighs) And no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, you are convinced it's going to be all right. Amen. 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 That is faith. Amen. Amen. Let's come back to the most basic thing this morning. Our salvation. Us being born again. How many in here believe that you are saved? Do you? Then are you trying to get saved this morning? Are you struggling to be saved? Are you working to be saved? Because there's a whole lot of people in this world, they believe that their salvation is based on how well they do in this life. You even got a lot of Christians that are believing so wrongly. That one of these days they're going to die and they're going to go to heaven. They're going to meet St. Peter at the pearly gates. And, and he's going to check and see if they did enough good stuff to get in. 
And maybe that there's these huge set of scales, this balance, and, and we'll see if we got more good works on one side than we do bad stuff. And if the good outweighs the bad, then he says, hey, you get in, come on. That is not how it is. That is not true. We're not saved by works. What do Ephesians say? For you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Lest anybody should brag about it. No, nothing that we could do could save us. If we could save ourselves through our works, then Jesus' sacrifice was unnecessary. At least for some. And that is not true. Nobody was able to work their way to salvation. Everybody's best efforts to save themselves was like filthy rags, the scripture said. That's why Jesus had to come and pay the price. But he has paid the price. And so salvation is a completely free gift. We don't earn it. There's nothing we do to merit it or deserve it or to earn it. All you can do is just say, I receive it. I believe it. And now you're saved. It's too easy for some people, but it's, amen, I I accepted it and I received it. Not too easy for me. One fellow was preaching on faith about some things and some ministers came up to him later and said, you know, you're just making it too easy. You're just that, you're just that, that's too simple. You're just making, no, he's not the one that made it too easy. God's the one who put it on a gift basis and made it available to everybody by simply claiming it in faith. We which have believed do enter into rest. Are you believing for something this morning? Have you prayed and asked the Lord for something? Have you sown your seed? Have you made your confession? Are you in faith this morning? How could you tell? Are you resting about it? Are you agitated? Are you vexed? Are you worried? Are you scared? Are you frustrated? I don't care how many good confessions you made this morning when you got up. If you're going to be scared and worried the rest of the day, you ain't in faith. No. But you can tell when you when you cast your cares on him and you put your trust in him and you're counting it done and you're counting him faithful and you believe he cannot fail. He won't fail. He cannot lie. He won't let you down. Then even when it looks and feels rough inside, you can lean back on the everlasting arms and you can go, hey, hey, God's on the throne. It's going to be all right. Just watch. Just watch. It's going to be all right. Amen. The money's on the way. We'll pay every bill. Amen. Healing's working in my body. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to live and not die. God's dealing with my kids. They're going to quit acting crazy. They're going to come to Him and serve Him. God's dealing with my husband. God's dealing with my wife. Amen. God's dealing with the boss man. He's going to work this thing out for us. It's going to be all right. Amen. I know years ago, must have been 20 years ago, I was uh, calling myself believing for something, for a certain thing to happen. And I, I remember it to this day, just like it was yesterday. I pulled up to this on ramp. I was in my car by myself and I'm about to get on the interstate. And I pulled up there and I'm thinking about this thing. And I didn't really realize it, but I'm, I'm agitated about it. This thing that I'm supposed to be believing for. I'm, I'm agitated. I'm frustrated about it. Aggravated a little bit about it. Because I, you know, I hadn't seen it happen yet. It's not here yet. 
And finally, I just, I just put my hands on the wheel. I realized, I said, Keith, you're not in faith. You're not in faith. You're frustrated. You're worried. You're agitated about this. You're not in faith. Faith is a rest. Amen. So you've got to quit this. How do I quit that? I'm going to tell you before we get through. There's some specific things you can do. But first of all, do you understand? If you're in faith, you're in rest. Amen. Let's keep reading this because uh, some of the how-to comes in the next few verses here. Verse 3, which we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He spoke in a certain place on the seventh day in this wise, and God did rest from the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, that's actually the word for Joshua, if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Is there a rest? Can you live in a rest? Can you get in and stay in the rest of faith? Yes, you can. There is a rest to the people of God. Verse 10, for he that is entered into his rest, he has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. I know years ago, I was preaching a lot on healing, and I'd preach, you know, maybe for a day or two on uh, fight the good fight of faith. And then maybe the next week or two, I'd be on this, we which I believe do enter into rest. And one day, I'm sitting my, at my desk thinking, now hold up here, are we fighting or are we resting? <laughs> because they're quite different, aren't they? I mean, you know, I mean, you don't... Come in and see somebody laying across the sofa with a glass of iced tea and say, what are you doing? They said, oh, I'm fighting. I'm fighting now. You don't see two guys in the ring wrestling, you know, straining themselves silly and perspiring and in a, a mortal combat almost and say, what are y'all doing? They go, oh, we're resting. They're not the same. And so I wanted to be clear to the people I was ministering to so that they didn't go away thinking, well, now which one are we doing? Fighting or resting? And then I read this verse. I said, I read this verse. What did he say? Labor to do what? Labor to get God to do something for you? Work hard to see if God will take a liking to you? Bless you? Work hard to, to be good enough to earn your blessing? No, no. Labor for what? To enter into the rest. Fight the good fight of faith. What is that? Here's where the labor comes in. Here's where the fight comes in. Getting into rest and staying in rest. Because the enemy will do everything he can to distract you through feelings and thoughts and all kind of circumstances to keep you from getting in rest. 
And then if you get in rest to get you out of rest, even though you get in rest to get you out and get you worried and fretting and anxious and frustrated again. And that's where the fight comes in. And that's where the labor comes in, getting into and remaining in the rest. Now listen, friends, for us as Christians, rest is supposed to be our natural state. So it's not so much as, you know, why, why, how can we get in rest? We're going to talk about that. The thing is, why are we not in rest? We're supposed to be. And if we're not in rest, then we're letting something get us out. We're not supposed to be just, you know, once in a while get into rest. We're supposed to live in rest. Time you get up in the morning. How many believe you could rest while you're getting ready? Hmm? How many believe you could rest while you're going to work? Most folk don't. But could you? Yeah, you can. I know I I worked for years under uh, uh, Dr. Kenneth Hagin. And we traveled with him quite a bit on the road. And before flying private, used to fly a, a commercial on some trips. And sometimes we'd have layovers, you know, two, three, four-hour layover. And sometimes, I mean, sitting by him, I mean, he'd just, he'd just sit there and everybody else is pacing the floor. He'd just sit there and close his eyes, raise one up about halfway, <laughs> resting. You know, the thing that wears people out is not necessarily just the travel, it's the anxiety. That's what wears you out. Did you hear me? The anxiety about getting ready, the worrying, the fretting. And that's why some people find it so hard to do certain things. It's not because it's physically that tasking and demanding. Most of the time you're just sitting down, sitting around. But what makes it so tiring? You're letting stuff bother you. Right? This is bothering you. And that's bothering you. And you're worrying if this is going to work out. Anxious if that's going to happen. We must learn to rest. I said we must learn to rest. And here's a great truth, friend. You cannot rest on the outside if you're not resting on the inside. That's why so many people have sleep disorders. And every other kind of thing. And have to take medication to go to sleep and have to take medication to wake up and all that. Why? And, and still not getting rest. I mean, you know, you can tranquilize your body till it passes out and be out for 10 hours and wake up as tired as before you went to sleep. I know I used to, you know, some years back was traveling even more than I do now and speaking even more than I do now. I mean, there were some weeks I spoke 25 times in a week. That's really about too much. <laughs> but I would speak and speak and travel and fly out and come back in and, and be tired, feel tired. And so I think, well, you know, I'll get a good meal and I'll get a good rest and sleep, you know, eight, nine hours and, and get up and still tired. And try to the next couple of days get some extra rest, catch a nap here or there and get some good food, still tired. Finally, I realized it's not just tired on the outside. I'm tired on the inside. I'm not being renewed and refreshed like I need to be. Are you with me? And one of the and, and there's some things you need to do. You need to feed on the word. You need to wait. The Bible said, "They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength." You need to just get quiet. So I, and I learned, 
You know, sometimes I'd come in and I'd just go to go to a room, get by myself, and just lay across the bed. You'd maybe go in there at six o'clock in the evening, not come out till the next morning. I'm not sleeping all that time, but just quiet, resting, get my mind on the Lord. And it's like a, it's kind of like plugging in a rechargeable razor or something. You know, I got this little beard trimmer, and it's uh, it's battery operated, but you got to recharge it. And sometimes I'll come in there and I want to hurry up and get ready. And I reach up and turn it on. It goes. Well, we ain't doing no trimming today. But what I've got to do is I've got to put it in its stand. Is that right? And let it wait on the electricity. And I can't leave the switch on. Right? If I leave the switch on and it keeps trying to run, it's going to expend as much energy as is coming in. I got to turn the switch off, turn it off, and set it on the stand and let it just wait there on the stand. And boy, you let it wait overnight and just take in and take in and take the power and soak in the power and just let it, let it wait all night long. I pick up that razor. Well, you better watch it. You'll give yourself a trim that you didn't intend to. That's exactly how it is with us. But you know, a lot of people have not learned to rest. They have not learned to wait. Even when they're trying to pray, they're giving out. Talking, praying just as hard and fast as they can and and making confessions and and just giving out more than they're taking in. No, there are times you need to just come in and be quiet. Be still, he said. Well, that'd be a sermon for a lot of folks, wouldn't it? Be, Be still. Shut up. And get quiet and be still. And that includes your mind. And that's what can take some time if you haven't been practicing it. You'll lay across there and try to get quiet. And you are quiet audibly, physically, but your mind. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's planning dinner for tomorrow and what we're going to do with this and what's going to happen at the end of the six months and what about this term, what about my investments and what about the... Mm-mm. And that's why you, it takes some time. Especially if you haven't been doing this. Lay across the bed. You, you, and you might say, well, if I get quiet, I'll go to sleep. Well, that's all right. When you wake up, start it again. That's right, that's right. Start it again. What? Get your mind on Him. Don't let your mind wander all over the place. Just get your mind quiet and on Him and be still and think about Him. And you'll begin to, strength will begin to come into you. As you wait on the Lord. You do that for, for hours at a time. And you'll be like that little razor and a whole lot more. Amen. You'll be renewed. You'll be refreshed. Hallelujah. See, we, we live in a world that is tired because there's so much stuff going on. You heard of chronic fatigue syndrome? You didn't hear about that 50 years ago. What is that? There's so much. When people are supposed to be resting, they're watching TV with 150 channels. Let me give you a revelation now. That is not resting. I'm going to say it real slow. That is not resting. I say, yeah, that is, but guess how I rest? Yeah, that's why you're tired so much. Because even though your body is still, your mind is following everything that's going on in that screen, your emotions. When they get happy, you get happy. I mean, have you ever cried at a show? 
Then you ain't resting inside. I mean, your emotions are going up. They're going down. You're getting excited. You're gripping your handle going, are they going to get him? Are they going to get him? How when people get through with that, they get on the internet. And serve 400 websites. That ain't rest either. I said, that's not rest either. Are we going to shop? Yeah, let's shop. That's how I relax. Honey, that ain't relaxing. That ain't relaxing. It might bless you. You might enjoy it. That's okay. But that's not just rest. People don't know how to rest. You understand what I'm talking about? In our society, that's why people are so fatigued. That's why, and not, see, not just fatigued physically, on the inside. That's one way you can tell what kind of shape you're in spiritually. Because you, you, when you're strong spiritually, you have patience. You have vision. You're ready to tackle a big job. You're ready to believe for a big thing. But when you're fatigued and weak inside, you're not. You're like, I got too much going on. I, I, I got my plates loaded. I'm just, I don't, I don't need to hear about that. I don't need to deal with that. Quit confessing how busy you are. Now, everybody you see, we're so busy. We're so busy. Oh, we just got all these things going. We're busy, 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 busy. And a lot of it folk ought to be repenting over. Because it's a lot of stuff that the Lord didn't tell them to do. And it's wearing them out and using their energies. And then when it comes to things you're supposed to do, you wore out. Oh, but friend, there is another way of living. I said there's another way of living. There's a lot of stuff that just is nothing to you, that there's no need in you watching it, there's no need in you listening to it, there's no need in you reading it or paying attention to it. Learn to get quiet. Learn to rest. Try it sometime like they used to do a hundred years ago. Go in and when it gets dark, don't turn the lights on. It's not like you don't have any electricity. Just go in and go, when it got dark, they went to bed. Is that right? And they had more time laying in the bed and praying. Praise God. Get quite, just because you live in this hectic generation doesn't mean you have to participate Amen. in the frenzy. Had a fellow come visit me one time at the ministry. Wanted, he wanted to follow me around for a day or two. He said the Lord dealt with him. And I don't let everybody do that. But in his case, we, we thought it was, was the thing to do. And he followed me and he watched me and listened. Finally, I came in and sat down at my desk. And he said, Brother Keith, he said, don't be insulted. He said, but if you were any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. <laughs> well, I took that as a compliment. I said, I took that as a compliment. And I have found that you cannot hear from God if you can't rest. You can't be in faith if you can't rest. In this state of agitation, if the devil can keep you agitated and in a frenzy and frustrated and vexed, he can keep you out of faith. Keep you from hearing from God. Everybody say, we're not having it that way. We're not going to live like that. Hallelujah. Uh, Go to Philippians 4, please. Thank you, Master. I should have told you to hold your place there in Hebrews. We're not through, but you can find it again. How do we get into this rest 
and stay in this rest. Are you interested? Well, you saw where we read that we are to labor to enter into the rest. So it doesn't just happen automatically. If you just let yourself go with the the flow of the world round about you, then you'll be scared about everything they're scared about and upset about everything they're upset about. But you and I as Christians are to be operating, we're to be different. We're to be operating and living a different kind of life. And it is a strong witness to people round about you when everybody else is shaken and you are not. Amen. That's a witness that there's something real to your Christianity, to your faith, that you do have a God. I like what the, the psalmist said, and what is it, Psalm 46, God is my refuge and he's my strength. Therefore will not I fear, though the earth be removed. (laughs) Listen to that. Though the earth is removed, though the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea, he said, I won't be afraid because God's my refuge. Now, friend, when the earth starts being taken away from under our feet and the mountains are sliding off into the ocean, if you could stand in the middle of that and go, hey, I know the one who made all this. And he's my God and he's going to keep me. And not be afraid? Is it possible? Yes, it is. Everybody say yes. Yes. You didn't answer quick enough on that one. It is. How many believe Jesus walked and was scared and worried all the time and fret? No, he didn't. And he's your example and he's my example. He showed us how to do it. Didn't he say, uh, don't be afraid? Didn't he say, my peace I have given to you? Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid because my peace. I've given to you. He said, in the world, you'll have some tribulation, some stuff. But, what did he say? Don't be afraid. Don't be upset about it. I have overcome the world. And he did it for us. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, uh, in Philippians, we're talking about how to do this. Philippians, the fourth chapter. You know it, but it's not what you know. It's what you do. Philippians 4, verse 6. He said, try not to worry. (laughs) I know it's hard. And sometimes you just can't help it. (laughs) That's the way most folk thinks that reads, but it does not read. That what did the Lord say? Be careful for nothing. So how much is it okay to worry about? Hmm? You ever heard people say, I don't think they got enough sense to worry. How unscriptural can you get? It's not having good Bible sense when you do worry. Worry doesn't prove that you care about people. Worry doesn't prove that you're responsible. Worry demonstrates you don't trust God. Worry and fear means you have more confidence in the ability of the devil to destroy you than in God to keep you. There's nothing good about worry. Nothing. Worry will will wear you out and make you tired. Worry will rob your patience and then hinder your relationship with your spouse and your kids. Worry will mess up your ability to perform on the job. Worry will make an old man or woman out of you before your time. It's a fact. And you don't have to. I said you don't have to. Jesus bore the chastisement of our peace. He carried it. Amen. So that we could have peace. So that we could have rest. He said, be careful for nothing. 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. All this goes together, doesn't it? Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious, worried about anything, but... Ask, pray, and and ask the Lord for what you need, and then think on the right things. Why are people agitated? Why are they scared? Why are they worried? Because they're thinking on the wrong stuff. Thinking and talking about the wrong things will get you out of rest. I will keep you from getting into the rest. You can't just talk the problem all the time. You've got to talk the answer. You can't talk the sickness. You can't talk dying. If you do, if all you think is sickness and the problem and dying, then that's what's going to happen. You can't talk the debt and the need all the time. You know, I'm ministering to people, sick people, to be healed. And do you understand there's nothing too hard for the Lord? I don't care what the problem is. How many of God made the body? He can create new hearts. He can put new valves. He can make new brain cells. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. But the thing is, again and again, I've run into people and you ask them about the situation and they went on for 30 minutes telling me about the Latin names for their problem and all the case histories and all the research on all the medications. They're well versed in the problem, but couldn't tell you two scriptures about the answer. What does that demonstrate? They've been thinking the problem. They've been talking the problem night and day. So where is their faith? In the problem. They have faith in the sickness. They have faith in the problem. And it's going to stay. You can't pace the floors and go, oh my Lord, i got to have $10,000 by the end of the month. Oh my Lord, where's it going to come from? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. $10,000. $10,000. i got to have it. If that's all you do, you cannot get into rest. And you will not be in faith. And God will not have a legal right to meet your needs. Oh, but if you can get your eyes off the bill. Get your eyes off the need and get your eyes on God and think about the things that are true that He said. Amen? The things that are lovely. Don't think about the bad report. Think about the good report. Amen? The good report. He said, by my stripes you're healed. He said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. Amen? He said He won't fail us. Think about that and talk about that. Then that anxiety begins to leave you. Got your mind. Didn't the scripture say in Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, and the scripture said in Isaiah, was it 26? He said, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. It's easy to see what people are thinking on. Look at their countenance. Are they upset? Are they perturbed? You know, you can give people the Word. Well, the Word says this, and they'll listen to it and and be just as upset when you get through telling them as when you started. What does that mean? They don't believe it. They believe what they see. They believe what they feel, carnally minded, and it works death. 
Cast your cares on the Lord. Refuse to talk the problem. Refuse to meditate the problem. And that's a challenge. Because a lot of your relatives will want to talk the problem. A lot of your friends and acquaintances, you come around, well, well, how are you feeling today? Come on now, tell me really. How are you feeling? Well, friend, it ain't going to help you to talk about how you feel. Is it? No. The more you focus on it, the more you meditate upon it, the more your confidence is in the problem. Go back to Hebrews. I'm trying to, I'm trying to close up here. Hebrews. Hebrews 4. Let's read again. Verse 9. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. He that's entered into his rest, he has ceased from his own works as God did from his. I had a fellow that had a very, very serious physical problem one time that seemed absolutely hopeless. And he and I were talking. I was endeavoring to minister to him. And the Lord gave me this phrase. He, he went on. He said, I, I've been reading and I've been confessing and, and I've been going to every healing line. And, and he went on. He, I mean, he was, he was animated about it. And the Lord brought this phrase up to me. And I told him, I said, friend, I said, if you're trying to get it, you don't believe you have it. He looked at me and he said, huh? And he went on to tell me how he was, he was, he, he was trying and he was, he was fighting and he was, and I, he finally wound down. I looked at him again. I said, if you're trying to get it, then you don't believe you have it. He looked at me like, you just said that. And he went off again telling me about, you know, all and quoting these scriptures and, and telling me about how many confessions he was going to make and, and what he was going to do and how many he was going to get a lot of people to agree. And finally he wound down again. I looked at him for the third time. I said, if you're trying to get it, then you don't believe you have it. How many understand that I'm not, we're not trying to get saved this morning? If you've confessed Jesus, you believe, are you trying to get saved? Do you believe you are saved? then you're in faith about your salvation. Do you understand it works exactly that way in every other thing? Right? If you're trying to get the money to pay your bills, then you don't believe you have it. If you're trying to get your healing, then you don't believe you have your healing. Not yet. And when you do finally believe God's heard my prayer, He's granted my request, I believe I've received, I've got it, what happens to your insides? got it I've got it now you're in faith I said now you're in faith finally and the enemy will come and do everything he can to get yeah but look at your body and here's the test report and look at what they said you don't have it you don't have it not yet and that's when you got to stand up and say I got it I don't care what I see I don't care what I feel I've got it I've got it it's mine and if you will stay in that place and refuse to be moved, feel good, feel bad, look better, look worse, people say good, they say bad. If you'll stay in that place of rest, I'm telling you, nothing can stop that thing from coming to pass in your life because the Word cannot fail. Can you say amen? amen. Cast your cares on the Lord. Set your mind 
on the things that are true and good report, like he said. And in verse 11, labor to enter into that rest. Verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What's going to straighten out your soul from being disturbed? What's going to straighten out your head and your mind? The Word of God in your ears and in your mouth. In your ears and in your mouth, it'll impose. You say it enough, it'll come on your mind. You keep it in your mind enough, it'll get down in your heart. Amen? You'll believe. You hear the bad report, what do you do? Don't talk the bad report, talk the good report. Well, it's worse. We found more than we thought. And you'll only have six weeks to live probably, maybe not as much. What do you do? You can go home and cry. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can make funeral plans. Or you can find scripture and say, I will not die. I will live and declare the work of the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is impossible for Him. You can get 12 new bills come in the mailbox. And you got 30 on the table that you ain't paid yet. You can feel overwhelmed. And you can say, I, don't, I, I can't do it. I'm too far under. I can't make it out. And you talk like that and you think like that. You'll be distressed. You won't have any peace. You won't have any rest. You won't have any faith. Or you can sit down in the middle of the floor with the Bible in your hands and you say, none of these things move me. I don't care. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. He told me He'd meet all my needs. I'm a giver. It's coming back to me. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Amen. Talk it. And that word like a sword will divide inside you the junk from the good and and split. Hallelujah. Split the error from the truth inside your mind and your soul and you'll be filled with peace. I said you'll be filled with in the midst of the storm. You'll have peace and you'll have rest. Glory to God. And you'll actually be in faith. A lot of folk talk about it. Fewer actually do it. But the ones that do get results. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens. Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast that confession. That profession. Amen. How do you get in rest? How do you stay in rest? You keep your mind and your mouth where it's supposed to be all the time. That'll keep you busy. I said, that'll keep you busy. That's the labor. That's the work. That's the fight. Oh, but once you get into rest and you stay there, God, if he has to, he'll move heaven and earth to see to it that that word comes to pass because you're relying on him. You're trusting on him. You're resting in him. And nobody ever trusted in him and was made ashamed. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Go to 1 Corinthians 10 and let's, let's get ready to receive communion this morning. And our emphasis in this is that what he bore, we don't have to bear. Isn't that what these emblems represent this morning? Jesus took upon himself all of our sin. His blood was shed so that we could be free. And he took upon himself the chastisement of our peace. Didn't he? And he bore upon himself our sicknesses and carried our pains, the scripture said. And the New Testament says he was made poor for us. 
If he bore our sin, we don't have to bear sin. If he bore our, uh, the chastisement of our peace, we don't have to be distressed. If he bore our sickness, we don't have to be sick. If he bore our poverty, we don't have to be poor. I know everybody doesn't believe that, but I'm quoting scripture to you this morning. And as we take these elements, we believe we receive what they represent, the benefits of the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Ushers, would you come? Get ready to take your positions. The singers are going to sing in just a moment, and we're going to pass out the elements to everybody. Everybody is invited to participate in this communion observation this morning. And as we receive, we're going to take time to get quiet. And if you hadn't been in rest, get in rest this morning.